My career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. So guys, you know what you want. You want to be successful. You want to drive yourself forward. Some of you get lost in the passion purpose thing, which is okay. We all get lost there. And then suddenly you start to realize, hey, this is what I'm really meant to do. And here's where I'm going. But even then, along the way, there's hills to climb and battles to fight and all that good stuff. But when you really find what you're called to do, you'll even enjoy doing it, maybe a little bit on vacation. And that's what we're talking about today. I had the privilege of meeting our guest on a recent trip to Costa Rica and as you have casual conversations, suddenly he and I are talking and I'm like, he's got a pretty interesting life that he's built and everything. And I always like bringing people onto our podcast, as you guys know, to help, well, kind of rip us all a new A, so to speak, about our lives and where we should be going. But also he really inspired me with some of the stuff he's done as a realtor and building his real estate business. Uh, he's 20 years into it. He lives internationally as well as here in the States. He's got a great job that gives him the opportunity to interact with a ton of people. And I just felt like having John Thorpe on to talk about what he's done to build his gay life, to build his business, anything that goes around this, because I think right now we all need a little inspiration to find our path in the world. So um, welcome to the podcast, buddy. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to see you again. It's been yeah. what, about a month or so. I can't yeah, remember. I think, I, I think so we have, <laughs> I think we have a few more clothes on than we did a month or so ago. <laughs> Don't take that wrong guys. We were yeah. at the pool, you know, all that yeah. stuff, but, um, and it's, yeah. you know, we're not being wined and dined and free cocktails all day long, <laughs> all that true. good stuff. But, um, no, it was really cool. I mean, we, John and I kind of connected towards the end of that whole week thing. And then we had a really great conversation one night and, I love what you're doing, not only for your personal business, but then how you're bringing the LGBTQ piece into it as well. So um, let's kind of start with, you know, did you wake up, come out of mama's womb and go, I'm going to be a realtor or how, how did you get here, man? Well, I've got to do a disclaimer. Okay. Diehard realtors. I am not technically a realtor now. Okay. Okay. Cool. I do That's have a fair. broker's license in Florida, but uh, um, I did. I started as an agent in 1999. And, and basically, I in the 20s, I out of college, I worked at a nightclub and I uh, was trying to find my way with the world. And uh, growing up in a small town in North Carolina, I, I just didn't really travel a lot. So I traveled the world. And uh, but then I had to get serious <laughs> about things. I was a circuit boy for people old enough to know what that was. And then as I approached 30, I um, had a back injury and I found myself on food stamps. And my mm -hmm. partner at the time gave me as a birthday present real estate school. And I knew no one in the area and the only way was up. Um, but I'm very thankful uh, for that opportunity because I met my now current husband and moved to Washington, D.C. and got a job with a company that I just left a year ago so I could be in Europe and did different facets. So I'm on the real, I'm in real estate. I'm on more of the uh, corporate side of things. And my latest gig as a few months ago is with a Beverly Hills based brand. Um, in charge of Europe. So I get mm -hmm. to live here in Spain and I get to live in Fort Lauderdale. So 
it's been a long road to hoe, as we say in the South, to yeah, get here. Yeah. So the Facebook story tells a different story, right? But uh, right. <laughs> a lot of work to get there. But I always remember my roots. I literally started real estate on food stamps and worked three mm. jobs. So um, that was the start of it. But uh, yeah, so I was a actually a realtor for about five years. I think 2004. Mm-hmm. I still was a realtor. I managed an office in Washington, D.C. Right. But I'd started my journey. And uh, we can get into the advocacy part if you want to. I, I don't know. It kind of tells the story of sure. kind of how I went into the direction I did, leveraging to my passions, real estate and mm. advocacy. So, well, I uh, think 20- it's interesting too, that you, I mean, I, I just think it's interesting. Everybody thinks, oh, these things kind of happen overnight, right? Mm-hmm. It's work. It's freaking work. I mean, similar to you, I actually grew up, I wouldn't say poor, poor, but there were times we didn't have a whole lot. You know, I even, you know, one of the houses we lived in when I was a kid in Colorado, it was, literally a converted chicken coop at one point of course they added walls and all the good stuff but it was like you know to think back to that house and then another house we lived in at one point in time in the winter time the mold would crawl up the wall we had to constantly be you know and it wasn't we weren't dirt poor but we just didn't have a lot of money and being the first one in my family well just my immediate family other people in my dad's extended family I went to college and it, it was almost like there was this huge pressure, right? Like, okay, I got to wow. do it. And I felt the pressure second year into college. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this, this isn't the path that I want to be on. But I did finish college. It's just what I got my degree in. And then I got out of college and lo and behold, here I am a guy with a bachelor's in dietetics. I've never used that degree <laughs> per se. I mean, I immediately jumped, <clears throat> jumped into the hospitality industry and, Kind of like you, I started working hotel restaurants and kind of living the fast high life in the hotel business. And um, I just finally said, I'm burnt. I'm just, something's got to give. I didn't have a back injury like you did, but um, I did reach that point where kind of my back was breaking and I'm like, something else has got to show up. So I'm really glad you shared that because I think a lot of times people do like, oh, well, look, you did all these things and highly successful i mean i'm looking at all of john's awards here i'm going holy shit bitch you you got a lot of rewards here from 2000 up to 2021 well, but i had hair then <laughs> exactly thank you very right. much so, exactly <laughs> this comes with hard work and perseverance so uh, but you did and one of the reasons that we you know i kind of said hey man i'd love to have you on the podcast is you did start to bring your passions together your advocacy and your work so um yeah, we dive so, in there. Yeah, it's so a little bit of where I came from. I, I came from a middle class family, I would say, whatever that is. Um, but we we would take a vacation a year, <laughs> everything else. But then my my parents had a hateful <clears> divorce, <throat> and my dad went bankrupt, and we lived in a trailer for a few months. And then I was in government assisted housing, and then I started. You know, I was made fun of when I was in junior high or called middle school now. But I mowed mm-hmm. cemetery plots. But you know, I had a great tan no stress. And, um, you know, I was wearing really cool clothes, <laughs> you know, so you can make fun of me. Are you on those things were important then, but I did go to college. I'd actually not to graduate. Um, I, um, got sick my second year. I went to school for music, um, which will come later in my life to be very important, but, uh, done about 30 theater shows, been in a few movies, hmm. TV shows, but all that kind of just happened organically. But, um, it was good for me because my job, my, my, my role for so many years has been in front of the public. Right. And so I, 
have zero fear about speaking in front of people. But nonetheless, um, it really came to where that change happened was, yes, when I was a, a realtor in a military town of all places, I did face discrimination. People wouldn't leverage me. But you know what? It's okay because um, I, I did really well. And not because I'm the smartest person in the world, but I don't give up. Right. And even when I feel like giving up, like, nope, you got to make it a number one. And so when I met my husband and worked on the corporate side of things, we had an opportunity to move to Florida, which I said, yes, I don't care for cloudy days and winter. And so um, I, after a few years, I'd been called to do franchise sales. And um, I had actually done some diversity work with my company. And my new senior vice president, I could tell was very homophobic, and my mm. manager was closeted. And uh, there was just several things to keep on, kept on snowballing. And after a few months, I went to HR and complained. And um, he was trying to get rid of me. They actually let him go, which was not my wish. I just, I want to do my job, right? And so a few months later, big sales event, they gave me the diversity award. And I said, you have a choice. You can just put it on, you know, the table behind you, or you can do something with that. So what I ended up doing was leading the LGBTQ employee resource group. And in my tenure, we had a new, um, we had to choose an executive sponsor. So I chose wisely, the person second in command of the company <laughs> in charge of all the brands. And um, we, we changed the logo to be more inclusive um, of, of everyone and our colors. And I, I noticed other companies starting to do the same. We offer transgender benefits. Mm-hmm. And so, and it wasn't because I had this great plan. I just said, I put it on the table and it right. went from there. So I, I took that negative from years ago and put that in a positive. And then about uh, about two years ago, just several years ago, a bunch of us were involved in a LGBTQ real estate uh, group, and we just found out some things that weren't kosher. And so we said, no, we need something that's more community facing and and really just expanding and transparent. So we started our own. Um, we actually did the charter, I think, about two years ago during the middle of the pandemic or the beginning of it, should I say. And October 1st, we went live and I was voted in as the president, the inaugural president for 15 months. And I'm happy to say now um, the organization is at 2,500 members. Wow. Which is about 20 some percent, I think, or <clears throat> allies. Um, and, and what I'm talking about in allies with this is people that are not identified as LGBTQ. But something that, and having this position, my own knowledge and education expanded. And what I want to add is just being an ally, not just for straight to LGBTQ, but maybe right. gay being allies for transgendered and, and, you know, lesbians and things like that. And so my own scope got widened, but uh, my presidency um, was over at the end of January, which was a mixed blessing. It was great because I had my life back. It was a lot of work. Right. But I oh, used yeah. that what I had had with the large company I'd worked with for years to do that. And I also think, you know, taking advantages of what life was about and that was Zoom, you know? And mm-hmm. so we, I, I could be in, you know, all over the country in Canada in a week, you know what I mean? There's no way I could travel to do that. So we struck a chord. And so I was very excited about that. And so now I'm on the uh, board of directors and I'm also chairman emeritus. So mm-hmm. that's really the lineage of how I got into that type of advocacy. That's awesome. And there's, it's so interesting to hear how these things come together. I've been parts of some ERGs throughout the years and, and everybody, one of the things I hear more from a lot of people is 
oh, it's a one and done sort of thing once a year. And I'm like, well, yes, in some companies it is diversity inclusion here. We do this one thing and look, we, we, yay, we did this, right? We throw our rainbows up for pride month and then the rest of the year you don't hear anything, right? But then there's companies that really like, no, this is part of the culture. This is something that's really important. And it was interesting for me back in the 90s. I left, so I left Marriott Hotels, went to work for a smaller hospitality brand, and then left them because I got recruited to work for a hospitality software company in the business, in the industry. And of all places, Orange County, California, which is very conservative, and I remember walking into that environment. This was before I was even out of the closet. So there was a, <laughs> that's a whole journey in and of itself, how much being in that environment got me through the closet door. But I was so shocked by a, how many LGBTQ individuals were there. And in the nineties to even be saying T in that statement was a really big push because we had a transgender female in our support team, Clarissa. And I was just like, really like, this is fascinating. Now, again, I'm on my own weird journey of like hiding myself, but yet uh, every LGBTQ person in the company is like, he's one of us. He just doesn't know that yet. Right. And to sit there and see her bravely and flawlessly show up and be herself and sit amongst those hundreds of team members we had and to see that the company was like, this is just one of our people. It was so empowering. And I know being exposed in that environment was what helped me as I came out of the closet. I came out working for that company and then helped me move so far forward into this work. I mean, when I, six years later said, I'm just kind of done with all of this, I'm going to go, well, I got shown the door from the next company. (laughs) It's like, you're good, but we can't afford you, man. So we know you'll survive. You know, that's always the lovely, like, we know you'll bounce back. Like, yeah, here, let let me give you something to bounce on. Right. Yeah. But um, (laughs) I'm so glad I had that experience because it is so important, even more so now to like keep these initiatives going and flowing. So what are some of the challenges as you've worked with the Alliance, especially housing, of course, and anything that you see consistently continue to show up for the LGBTQ folks in the real estate arena? Well, I think some stats um, are very important. You know, know, Mm -hmm. as much as we can have data, it's always good. So currently there are 29 states where it is actually legal to discriminate if you're LGBTQ. In the mm-hmm. United States, I happen to live um, part of the year in one of those states, and that's Florida. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are shocked because if you're a real tour, which you're going to have access to the multiple listing service and all that, you have a code of ethics and you can't discriminate on sexual orientation, gender identity, things like that. But in essence, if my husband and I were to go rent an apartment from the owner of the without a realtor, um, and I'm not pushing for realtors here, but this is just the scenario. Yep, yep. Um, and they found out we were gay, they could actually legally discriminate against us. Still, 2022. So that's one of the things. Now, when you look at the average um, homeownership rate in the United States, which is high compared to most other countries, but that's around 65% all in. Mm -hmm. When you get to American LGBTQ, it's around 49%. 
The anomaly here is why is that? We've been trying to figure that out. We tend, as the LGBTQ Americans live in more metropolitan areas. So it's very expensive um, in these areas. But when you look at, I know it used to be number eight, but it's number eight or 11th. The American LGBT economy is larger than the countries of Australia, Canada, and South Korea together. Wow. So there's an anomaly there. Why aren't we up on that? And when you get into like um, African-American LGBTQ, it's around 30%. I think it was a Freddie Mac uh, survey, or Fannie Mae, I'm sorry. Can't remember which one. Um, that's like around 30%. So when we talk about advocacy and being, you know, an ally, I think that we have to really work within our own community. Mm-hmm. And first, because we, we have a lot of racist issues in our community. We have a lot of transphobic in our own community. And so I, that was part of my research when I was leading ERG as far as where did it come from having the added colors? I knew the trans right. colors, got that. I wasn't really sure about the black and brown. And as I did more research, I discovered that I think that it came out of the Philadelphia uh, community and the African-American and I believe Native American felt like that it was a white gay men's world. And I agreed with that. They're right. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah. And so and you look at the apps and they had you know, race and all that. And right, all that right. I'm like, come on, really? Of anybody that's been discriminated against, you exactly. should know better than that. So I saw that. And then when I got into the alliance, um, it was I learned more than I thought I would learn. And I told the current president who is for this year, I said, let's, we met the uh, right after the holidays and right before New Year's. And I said, I want us to meet at the end of next year and see what you learn in your scope. And some things were very interesting. Some things were shocking to me. Mm. And I think that we, we need to work together. And one of the things that the Alliance has done that I, it started a year ago in January we align with the National Hispanic Association of Realtors, which I happen mm-hmm. to be privy to be on the um, uh, committee with the Miami chapter, the Lauderdale, and I learned a lot. And I learned some basic principles. Um, they have a NAREP, NAREP is what's called NAREP 10, that I really enjoyed. So anyway, we did a MOU, a memo of understanding with them, and that had never been done in the diversity real estate space. Well, then mm-hmm. we did one with the Asian Association of Realtors, ARIA, and that kind of went to the next level. Now we're working in the Women's Council Realtors and all that. So it's like, you know, and also the African-American, which are realtors. And so we can do so much more when we work together. So I think our yep. own community, we can complain or bitch about people not right. being whatever, but we got to get work together. And we mm-hmm. know what is going on now, um, especially our transgender brothers and sisters are really getting the hell and we need yep. to stand up for that. And so I yep. think that's really where we need to look at ourselves and say, look, Comparatively, I know since I came out in 1989, my second year of college, it's come a long way. So we need to lead by example and really be there for our community. So we can't blame the the haters until we look at our own selves. That's just the way it is. It's a hard look at yourself. And so that's why I think there's a lot of work to be done. The reason why housing, because happened to be in that industry for 23 years, but also too, here's the opportunity is that you know housing is a security you know and it's not just purchasing although that's the that's probably one of the number one way people in the united states grow wealth by far i know it is for me right and so i think that's very important when you look at your investments and so we have a network that is really dedicated to make sure that no matter who you are and we also certify straight people 
um, as far as, you know, things to, to be considerate of and things like that and, and terminology in our own communities um, to be acknowledged. So it is actually a certification and we have uh, been blessed by the National Association of Realtors um, as far as their, their support and doing things as well too. We still have a lot of work to do though. There's a lot of still things going on there. So, but that's kind of the essence of why, I always like to say the why, what is the why? Mm-hmm. That's right. the why. And a lot of people don't know the why. They're like, really? I didn't know that right. in the United States you're going to be discriminated on things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. but this is where sometimes I think within our own community, we get complacent. Yeah. Ah, I live in California. I live wherever. Like, ah, that, you know, let's just go there. <clears throat> well, you know, abortion, what does that matter to me? Well, read no, through between the lines, people. Yeah. There's yeah. way more going on here than, you know, just what the surface is. Yeah. But you said something that I find, well, lots of stuff there that was amazing, but it got me thinking about gay men in general. And I'm going to generalize here, guys, so don't hate me. Please don't send hate me email out of what I'm about to say. But I think gay men sometimes miss these opportunities to create that security about home ownership and investment. Not saying that everybody's party, 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 but okay, let's kind of go there. We kind of do. We go have our fun. We spend our money. And then the next thing we're like, oh my gosh, I don't have anything for my future. And I feel like this is a missed opportunity as mentors, you know, in our own community. I, I don't consider myself quote an elder yet depends on how you want to do it i'm going to be 59 in a couple of weeks but i do consider myself somebody who's a a mentor in the community of helping younger and i don't just mean like 20 somethings i'm talking 20 something 30 something even some 40 somethings like you need to like yes enjoy your gay life i'm not saying that but also here's where you can improve your life by doing some simple things in the world of finance and really thinking about how do you spend your money? What do you do with it? Because at some point, most all of us hit that brick wall of like, okay, wait, I need to start thinking about other stuff, right? So do you see that a lot too? Like, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, some of that is, some of that is, well, the housing is too expensive where I live. I got it, but there's still solutions. There really are. And, you know, one of the things I was so happy is that through our chapter delegates, um, our current vice president, Anita Blue out of Houston, a big part of her career is working with people and improving their credit. And so, you know, being a former realtor, I saw some people, I was basically working with young military, right? And so they coming in, they're coming to rent. Well, in that market, it was actually more affordable to to buy a house, oddly enough, um, interesting enough with their benefits and things like that. And hopefully a lot of them I made a lot of money for, right, to, mm-hmm. to invest that. But your mind changes when you own property. Yep. You have something of security there. I mean, you're living in it, right? You know, right. so different type of thing. And you had the downturn happen in 06 to 09 or whatever. But there were just a lot of bad, you know, loans going out there. And it was a fake economy and people flipping properties left and right. And that's always going to happen. Right. But I would just say... You've got to have, make sure you have the right people working with you. And I think that don't be afraid to start the process. If you, for some reason, you think I can't afford it, well, find out for sure. So that Mm -hmm. way in six months or a year, you can be ready for that. You know what I mean? And so think about that. Like any investment, it's about timing, right? You know, and so I think that's very key. So I would just say, look, don't be afraid 
Um, you can go to the LGBTQ Alliance and, 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 and wherever you are in the country, um, find a professional. If not, you can message me. Um, right. But I, I think get on the start the process. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that's really don't be afraid to do that. There's a judgment with that and everything else. And I think just start that because if I would have not invested in real estate, I mean, like I told you, 1999, I was on food stamps. All right. right. <laughs> so, exactly. You know, so it wasn't, I was a Rockefeller uh-huh. or anything. I wasn't. Right. But, you know, I, I think you need to start that process and your thinking changes. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't have to be scary. In fact, we actually have a course on first time on homebuyers in, in, yeah. our, in our website that you can look at, too. I'm not trying to do a commercial here, but I'm very passionate. because No, I but that's why I'm asking the that's why yeah. I'm asking these questions, yeah. because as a coach, I, you know, I'm not I'm not a cheap hoe. I'm just going to say it. I'm not cheap to work with. Right. 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 But what I see is the guys that choose to make the investment are the guys who are like, yes, I'm ready to do something that's going to enhance my world. And so I work with investments as well. It's like, hey, you're going to pay me X number of dollars to work with me over, you know, three, six, nine, 12 month period. It's an investment. But out of that investment, there's also growth, there's mindset shifts, there's all those things. And I actually have two, two clients currently that the mindset shift has begun like, oh, I can see my way to home ownership now, which wasn't what they came to work with me on. But it's interesting when all the other pieces start happening, like, oh, yeah. And one, one of my clients, he's growing his business like crazy. And he's like, I actually can see that by the end of the year, you know, depending on what the markets are doing, he goes, I actually am starting to see that I actually could have enough to put a 20% down payment down. It's just a matter of where you start to set your priorities. And I feel like for so many men, especially in this podcast that we speak to, when you hit that 40 something as a gay man, some things start to shift, (laughs) not just your sex life. There's like thoughts you think about, like, okay, yeah. do I have enough, you know, money in the bank, like to start thinking about what's going to happen in 10, 15, 20 years towards retirement? Do I have the right health insurance? Do I have something to lean back onto? If I do have property, what's the succession plan? Like what's going to happen to this? Especially if I'm a single gay guy, you, you need to be thinking about these things. Yeah. And I think sometimes we miss all that. Yes, we love, you know, we love to go have our fun and do our thing, but It's also very interesting, and I'm not going to pick on anybody in particular, but it was just really interesting when we were in Costa Rica for me to just sit and be in observation mode as a coach, you know, like, oh, what am I noticing here? And that this was one of the things I noticed, like there was quite a few people like we're just living in the moment, which I believe in, too. But what happens when there's no more money to live in the moment? What's your next move sort of thing? Yeah. And I think we as a culture, gay culture at times, we live in the moment. I, I was there when I first came out. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's just do the, the. And I had two kids, so I couldn't go too crazy there because I had yeah. to keep thinking ahead. But I also, once I got my logic head back on um, and realized a dick is a dick, there's always going to be dick. So we can get that when we want it. But I'm also like, hey, what else, what else does life look like? And that's when I made some really conscious, you know, I came out of a divorce. I'm like, I don't have, quote, I didn't think I had any money, right? The truth was I had a lot of money because we sold a house and we split the proceeds. So I had a huge amount of money sitting in the bank. I'm like, 
do not just sit on this. This isn't really doing you right. a whole lot of good. And that's when I purchased my first house on my own. And now I would say, let's see, one, two, three, we're probably four homes into it at this point. So, I mean, I don't have four houses, but I've purchased four. Over the, yeah. We just keep growing the wealth in it. You, you, you know? keep on growing that. And you have, <clears throat> you, you think differently. I, mean, I remember in the nineties and like twenties, I, the money just like I was a stripper. Right? Right. I wasn't a stripper, but, but just like money went out <laughs> and I, my identity was what I could buy to put on me. Right. Right. Exactly. Or have things. And it's interesting when I got into real estate and was working a lot, the more money I made, the less things I wanted. Right. Forget me, I just wanted. And then when I, I think it was seven or eight years ago when I joined, I, I mentioned earlier the National Hispanic Association of Realtors. Mm-hmm. There are 10 rules, not rep 10. And I mentioned this because I want everyone to hear this because you just asked me this. And I think this mm-hmm. is very important. And it's stuck in my head because it was about 2010 when I started my franchise sales role. And I decided to, to save as much money of my commissions I could and live off my salary. And what one of their 10 rules was live beneath your means because mm-hmm. markets go up and markets go down and financing. So live beneath your means. And do I splurge? And that's why, yeah. But I, I say, do I really need this? You know, and my, my husband will be like, you're getting something you put in the back. I'm like, yeah, I don't really need it. And so it's interesting because before I would just buy, 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 buy. Now you, I have to have a mission to go buy something. Otherwise, I just don't go and shop. Mm-hmm. And not that it's wrong to do, but I just, my priorities have changed. And when you look at that, I've got the properties that we do, you think differently, right? You and so you, you don't want to spend all that. So it, it allows for you to do the things that you want to do, but also too, I don't want to be chained to those things, you know, and, and it's nothing worth And to be chained to debt is the worst feeling mm-hmm. in the world because yeah. it's not designed to get you out. Right. Right. Exactly. You have to acknowledge that, but look, ain't nothing free. <laughs> and so you get what you pay for. And so you have to analyze, you know, how you spend and do things. I'm not saying you have to go into a spreadsheet and do budgets every day. I probably should do that a little bit more. Right. But also, I know benchmarks in my head, right? Right, but exactly. You kind of say, what can I do and, and adjust for what I really, really want and what serves me well? So I think mm-hmm. it's just an evolution. I don't think it's tied to age. I know some people much older than me mm-hmm. that still haven't reached that limit. Right. I'm better because I went to that, but finally I was like, I'm tired of this. You know, what, what's right. the point of that? Right. But I, I do think when you've got investments, you got a 401k and things like that, and, and having these things, it, it's it does ease some of the financial pressure. And so if you don't have that, then make the decision start today. Yes. Because only it doesn't have to be, yeah. And it doesn't have to be something huge, right? A hundred dollars a month. You know what I mean? And so as long as you have that, and then you have a focus on it, you have that intention and be thankful for what you do have. I mean, I'm thankful every day that I I see the the realtor started on food stamps and it's like, you know, be thankful what you have and your ability to do that and just just really assess does is this serving me what i'm spending money on is this serving me and think think of things that are foundational and real estate just happens to be one of those right interesting because when we're so my husband and i anywhere we travel we typically like hey we're gonna buy 
some kind of something artistic or some piece of art like that's going to be and if people who come into our home and we've completely downsized huge we went from like a 3000 square foot home to now we're in a, a town home because this is the life we wanted we wanted something simple now it's a little bit too small we're like actually we were just looking at houses over the weekend and and i'll tell a little bit of that story in a moment before we wrap up but um when we're in costa rica it was one of the very first trips like i didn't feel like oh I got to find the art piece. I got to find the art piece. It's like, if we run across something great, 20 years ago, it would be, we've got to buy an art piece. We've got to get the Christmas ornaments. We got to have this. <laughs> All that stuff was so freaking important. Not anymore. In fact, my big purchase in Costa Rica, <laughs> I got coffee. a little keychain for my mom, but two bags of really good coffee. Was exactly. Best, but, yeah. And I was yeah. happy because I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 We had, we have some coffee and we did on one of the excursions. We happened to be yeah. on one that had not only great coffee, but there was a, a pottery guy that was doing some yeah. handcrafted pottery. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and we were good. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's all we needed, you know? But it's interesting, too, because as we downsized, it was very intentional. You know, yeah. we went through that process. Now, of course, we didn't have the kids at home any longer, so it makes it a lot easier. Love what we're in right now. But even this past weekend, as we kind of got the bug to like, well, should we start looking? I didn't have the panic that I did before. OK, really, we're going to go do this house thing again and how much money. And I'm not saying we have tons of money, but we have good investments and even the conversation went to so here's what we could do we could borrow out of our investment fund to put the down payment down keep the place we're in potentially use it as a rental property and pay ourselves back into our investment fund because we're going to you know or we borrow money to get into the place get this one ready to go it doesn't need a lot but we could float the money for a period of time and then pay back when this one sells. Cause if we sell this, we're going to, we're going to come into some good change. I've never been able to be in that position before. We've always been, uh, yeah, we're going to upgrade and we, you know, carry forward some equity and stuff, but to know that we could actually potentially go, yeah, here's going to be number two and we're going to have a rental property and we'll pay. That is such a, back to the word security. That's such a beautiful security feeling to go, this is what we could do, you know? We'll see. The markets are crazy. So I'm like, eh, I'm well, not sure I'm ready well, to buy at this they, point. But, but well, I, I, and we hear it all the time. You know, the crazy and it's, you know, gloom and doom. No, here's the thing. In the US, there's still a shortage of inventory. Absolutely. That, it's just a shortage of inventory. So that's one thing. You had a lot of people after lockdown made a lot of decisions, right? Um, a lot of New Yorkers moved down to Florida, you know, yep, just yep. their tax basis, whatever it may be. I have some friends that moved to Palm Springs where tax right, basis right. is higher than Florida. So, you know, it's wherever you are and where you feel that soul of where you want to be in life. You don't need to know all this stuff. You need to have quality people there. Exactly. And this is what some advice that I will give you. And if you're a realtor, you disagree with me. I don't care. <laughs> but if you reach out to an agent and they don't, that agent doesn't interview you. Mm -hmm. Be concerned. Yes. Because yep. the really busy agents and the ones that got their their advisors i don't the ones that are advisors are the ones you want if they don't interview you right you be need to be concerned just like with a, a stock analysis or anything else so i would that would be some advice there as far as exactly. when you're looking at people because you know as, as a former realtor <clears throat> i did when i started and just hey i'll take whatever whatever and i learned a lot from that but also too as i 
I guess the first year and a half, I started having people to come to my office and they want to meet the house. No, we're going to meet at my office, my sellers and buyers, and I'd have consultations. I'm like, look, I, I want to have discussions about things and literally lay this out before you go good looking. A lot of people go start looking at properties first. That's the worst thing you right. can do. I just had a friend do that here. It's the worst thing to do. You need to get prepared and you need to have options. And the market was crazy, but even if it's not crazy, you still need to be prepared. And so whenever you be prepared with the right agent, right mortgage entity and everything else, there's steps to do that. So that would be my advice is that you yep. need to ask questions and they need to ask them of you. If they don't, you need to look at these signs because this is this is probably the most money that you're going to invest in having in most people's lives, right? So yep. it's got to be, you know, would you go after a doctor and not do your research or attorney? You know what I mean? That's the way I look at this. And so this is a lot of money, um, but it can make a big difference. And I, I think what it doesn't get rid of all your problems, but it hopefully eases some of your financial problems. And it's always good to have options, right? So, yeah, good stuff, man. Really good. It's like Susie Orman or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, well, no, but that's part of the reason I wanted to have this conversation because yeah. we can, I mean, I can do, how do you find a man and what do you do to improve your sex life or how do you find your passion? For, <laughs> right. But there's another thing of like, you know, how do you think about this stuff? Like, especially if you're a single gay guy, it can be a little intimidating. Like, okay, now if you got a great job and you're racking up the money, sure. It's a piece of cake, but I've talked to way too many guys. And there's a guy I interviewed not long ago. He's called the frugal gay guy. And he has, he's like, I've got 14 doors. I've got 14 properties because he's just, he's learned how to roll it and make it and keep going and keep going. Does he have 14 mansions? No, he is finding those properties that he knows he can like, okay, I can take equity from here and invest it here. And then I do this and and he just keeps growing it. And that's why I love having these conversations in addition to how do I, you know, enhance my sex life? Because it's a holistic approach to living. Yeah, I mean, don't impress people. It took me a long time learning this. Don't impress people. Impress your bank account and your security as far as what you have there. That's what you need to focus on. And you, there are so many, there are grants. There are so many products out there, especially if you're a first-time buyer. There are a lot of things that are out there that can help you. And so I always say pathway. You know, yeah. go in to make this decision. No, I have to buy a house and and you know, if I don't get it or whatever, or if I am not, not able to do it now, I'm just going to give up. That, that's not the thinking mm -hmm. you should have. Yeah. You should have trusted advisors that can help you with, if you need funding to look at that and someone that is well-versed in that will be able to share you different options. So you have more as a first-time buyer. And so that way, when you build up that equity, you don't need as much money down because you go building up that equity that just rolls over like you said you've done. Mm -hmm. So it's not, the fact that you don't know all what to do, just just find the right people. You know what I mean? Exactly. And when I say the right people is let them interview you too. If they don't, that's Absolutely. the first clue. Yeah. Well, John, thanks so much, man. It's been a great no, conversation. No, it's a pleasure. It's good to see yeah. you. I, you I, too. You know, I can talk about this stuff all the time. Um, <clears throat> but it, it was great to kind of share this, what my life has been dedicated to. Yeah. Um, and, well, and, and just and that, that the impact you're having from a different angle. Sometimes we think, oh, advocacy has to be this, this, and this. There's a whole nother pathway there too. So there is, there is. So it was a pleasure, Rick. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for being here, man. And taking time out of your busy day. I know Thank it's you. like later in Spain, but what now time? you're starting it's, your whole. It's almost six. No, right. my so now you're... in LA. So, it just, right. so you're just getting started, <laughs> so to speak. So I got my coffee here. I can start. There you again. go. And exactly. I'm a true Spaniard and eat dinner at 10 o'clock at night. There <laughs> you go. Man. Kind of goes that way, so. Excellent. All right. 
I really you appreciate are, you, man. Thank, thank you. you so much. All right. Talk now. That's a wrap for 40 Plus. Gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves, and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 Plus Gay Men, Gay Talk, where the conversations continue.